Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of I Cast Fireball, an actual play 5e D&D adventure where we go through the campaign Tyranny of Dragons. I'm Thomas, your DM for this adventure, and around the table we have... Malamara. Lance Thalen. And Fleeple. Last we left our adventurers, they dealt with Balaam, or rather, they watched the Harpers deal with Balaam, and with Anthar Froom's help, Lance took care of Balaam's hands permanently, we'll just put it that way. And if you forgot, you can go back and listen to that episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He took care of it. Besides... (laughs) After the fact, there was some planning, preparation, and getting gathering some information regarding their journey to the north, where they found out that there was a mage who went off to seek a dragon. A dragon who had information on just the secrets of draconic magic, but this mage also knew the ins and outs of the dracorn. And although they've been missing for three years, there is still the slight possibility that they may be alive up north as any attempts to scry on them have just been halted rather than gone and shown them their grave. So the adventurers getting free passage and free supplies regarding their journey to the north, they headed off to the ship, to the boat, where they met the the captain, where half of his face is basically gone due to frostbite. But as the party was reflecting, Fleeple jumping off into the ocean, the party all leveled up, and that is where we join our adventurers on this week's episode. So, Jank Squad, you are on this boat. And I misspoke last time, actually. I said that there was no lower deck, uh, and that is my fault, because there is a slight lower deck here, although it's not very deep there does seem to be a small meeting area uh storage area and of course the captain's quarters below deck but most of the time the crew sleeps because the crew being 40 plus people uh the crew usually sleeps on the deck itself or somewhere in the storage area uh, for warmth as you go further and further north. Now, this was going to be around a day and a half to maybe three days, depending on weather, depending on encounters, to where you were going to get to the Sea of the Moving Ice. So, is there anything in particular that the Jinx Squad would like to do during this small downtime? I'm going to come back onto the boat as a giant octopus. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Immediately the crew, yeah, the crew's gonna kill you. <laughs> and so they, they grab spears and they run over to you and they just try try to stab you. Yeah, and I shrink down into a little kobold before they can get to me, and I am shivering because I am probably cold blooded, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, and your fleece is wet. Yeah, and I turn to just all of the crew members and say, That was a bad idea and I go to find a warm place. Yeah, uh, one of them uh, has uh, turned the side of the boat and is retching over the side as uh, he thought they were being attacked by a giant octopus here, while another one looks at you and just goes, It might come in handy the further north we get, so good work there. Oh, yes, if we need to, uh, uh, if I need to put on a display for any of the giant octopi, don't don't eat the ship, come and, uh, come and get a load of this over here. 
or I was merely meaning like you could you could kill the giant octopi. Oh, so, yes, I can know. do that. That'll be much easier, actually. I don't have a lot of experience it's, with flirtation. It's, uh, it's as you say, uh, fire with fire. You uh, combine them together. And you get fire. Mm-hmm. That's what you could do. Yes, I'm very good at fire. In fact, I just cast Produce Flame, and I just sort of huddle around this ball of fire in my hands. <laughs> he just looks at the ball of flame with his his eyes squinted and looks back up to you. Careful, we're on wooden boat. Not not good idea. Oh, fine. I'll find a different way to get warm. And I'll go look for a different way to get warm. Mm-hmm. And uh, as all of you, uh, <laughs> as people, you try to get warm by shaking off, uh, rinsing out your fleece that is sure to be at least a little bit wet here. Yeah. Uh, anything else that the Jinx Squad would like to do during this day and a half to three days? We're going to roll to see how long it actually is, but anything on your mind? I can't think of anything. All right. Sounds good. Well, if that's the case, I need everybody to roll me a D6, please, and tell me the result. Whatever is the good result is my result. This D6 thing I actually am taking from the Dungeon Dudes, which you should go check them out on YouTube for their actual play if you like uh, gothic horror um, or just their tips that they have. But the book also has this written in as well, so it's pretty nice to see the overlap there. But what was everybody's result? I got a six. I got a one. I got a three. (gasps) Oh. Perfectly balanced. One, three, and a six. Don't don't nod. Don't nod and okay. smile and then move on. <laughs> <laughs> After a good 24 hours, you have already passed Neverwinter, and you are now heading into much colder weather, uh, and all of you have to wear your heavy furs um, pretty consistently just to stay comfortable, and as it keeps getting colder and colder throughout the day, there is just this foreboding sense of wow we're gonna get really uncomfortable with this weather all except for mal who's it's not comfortable you're like yeah it's something you deal with so but fleeple your tiny cobalt body you realize you might need to sneak a produce flame here and there to just kind of warm up your extremities and lance i'm clammy so i'm just i'm freezing up i'm just yeah there you there you go (laughs) it's quite cold here yeah, during one of the, uh, while you are moving past the landscape here, it's actually coming to nightfall. And uh, the captain, he comes up to you and asks, uh, so we can make the decision to, to camp out for the night uh, on the, the water, or we can go on land with the boat if we, we want to. Um, just as you are the leaders of the expedition, I defer to you. Uh, in these times, what what you would like to do? Would you like to go on land, or would you like to uh, stay on the sea as we make our way north during the nighttime? I'm trying to think of which one would be more likely to get us a random encounter during the middle of the night. <laughs> uh, it really is just random. I mean, uh, if, I, if, if my experience says anything... <laughs> I, I will roll to see whether Fleeple wants to stay on the water or on the land. <laughs> Fleeple wants to go on the land. Um, yes, I would. I would agree with with my compatriot here. Uh, land would provide fire. It'd be a little warmer than just staying on the boat, where fire is not advisable. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, definitely a lot warmer on the land. Um, uh, I've I've seen. Uh, I mean, uh, it it makes sense why you had to uh, just 
pick one, uh, roll, roll the dice, because uh, previous times when we've been on the sea, we've been attacked by creatures, uh, like uh, giant octopi, as I've mentioned previously, and as uh, you discovered there, uh, little fleeple, uh sorry, fleeple, not little fleeple. Wow. Um, wow. And, well, I, uh, I am little, I'm just not young, is the thing. That's the thing that most people get wrong. Yet. Ah, oh, right. Yet. Well, I will try <laughs> regardless. Uh, but then on the land, I mean, you have uh, uh, ice hunters up north. You have um, you have uh, also uh, just like natural predators and things like that. So, uh, uh, but the land is what it's sounding like. And uh, he, he goes to you, Mal, and goes, uh, you're from up here. Uh, which one do you feel more comfortable with? Well, Fleeple and Lance would like to go on the water, on the land, so I think on the land is fine. And she looks at him concerned because I feel like maybe the captain of the ship would know better if we should be on the water or the land, but <laughs> she'll just let that go. He goes, all right. All right, boys, we're going to land. And so immediately the crew goes to work. And they start going towards land. Uh, you're you're at the last vestige of like the major land of Faerun before you break off to the Sea of Moving Ice. But in this, it's really interesting. As you get close to land, you you don't park the boat uh, like in a natural bay. You actually go up to a structure of ice, and these uh, crewmen they pull out these like pulleys and levers and like what are they doing and they start jamming them into the ice itself and as uh they uh, are jamming it into it uh there are some like uh people who are climbing the ice and jamming some pythons is that what it's what it is pythons pythons uh, pythons Pitons. 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 I think it is French in origin, so technically speaking. With with apologies to all of our French listeners. But they are jamming the pitons into the ice and uh so yeah, you, they, you they're jamming the, that? <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I'm I'm done. I'm done. Sorry, France. They are jamming um the uh pitons uh into the ice and uh, just further up and there's a rope that they are uh, a pulley system that goes down these pitons um all the way down to the ship but down the side of the ship um and like underneath it and so you're like wondering what are they doing um but as half the crew they actually climb up and as they climb up each of them grabs one of the ropes there's about like eight of these ropes and there are uh four crew members on each rope and you see them and they each grab the ropes and they start pulling the rope and you're like what and they are and as they are pulling the rope the ship starts rising out of the sea and onto the glacier itself this is not as heavy of a boat as uh the traditional vessels may be uh this seems like it has been not only engineered to navigate through the sea of moving ice but also to be transportable to where you could take refuge and cover on a glacier in the sea of moving ice uh or to uh, repair easily uh and sure enough they are pulling and the boat is being cradled by these ropes underneath uh and they're just being slowly pulled up and up and up while the rest of the crew and you on the boat are ensuring that things are tied down properly uh that oars are stowed away so nothing gets jostled as you are now moving vertically 
uh, through the air instead of just horizontally on the water. And without too long of an effort and strain, uh, the crew pulls it up into the ice to where it's a good distance away from the water to where uh, it could be out of reach of sea creatures. But they lock it in place, so to speak. But the majority of the weight and the engineering seems to be held by these pulley systems here. And so the rest of the crew and yourselves, you are able to start making camp uh, for the night. And I'm going to make a big old fire because that's what I need. Yeah. Yeah, you are cold. And the fire is very welcomed by the rest of the crew as they gather around the massive bonfire that you've created. They pull out some of the rations. Uh, some uh, fish have been caught along the way uh, during the day. And so uh, there are crew members who are... Uh, descaling and getting the fish uh, fried up uh, for themselves and for a couple other people. Uh, not enough for the whole crew, unfortunately. So, with that, the frost skimmer is docked, so to speak, and the crew is sort of just going about their conversations, and you, Jank Squad, just kind of chill for the night, and uh, as you see the sunset, you see the stars rise over um, the horizon, and Mal, you Although it's, it has to be due to the location and how close you are to home, but you can't help but feel a sense of like joy and peace of seeing like a childhood memory. Um, and as there is a light frosted fog um, off away in the distance and the clouds, um, you, you feel like the clouds have frosted tips, the moonlight coming over the horizon and spilling across this glacier is just very satisfying and comforting to you as you wrap yourselves deeper into these new pelts that you've been given. Uh, and you just take a big breath and just, and you just think of home and you just think of your childhood experiences and how the things that made you who you are today Mal will lay out her bedroll and just lay on her back and stare up at the stars. Flaple. Flaple. Lance. Marimara, her face, her face is doing something I've never seen before. Do you think she has indigest, like seasickness from the sea or something? <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm going to kind of lean up and pat Lance on the shoulder and say... You know, Lance, you might be surprised. I've seen that look on your face just a couple times as well. Yeah, I wasn't feeling good on the boat either. I mean, I, I'll, I'll freely admit that. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, indigestions, just weird goings-on. You feel something strange in the gut, as it were. A feeling that you can't quite describe with words. I'm so confused. <laughs> I, I, think, I think they call it nostalgia. It's, it's hard, to, hard to describe oh. exactly what it is, but... Oh. Okay, gotcha. So as all of you are just relaxing, and there there are there is a watch that is being set up as the fire dies down. Would any of you like to set up a watch um, in addition to the watch already being set up by the frost skimmer? Or I just don't want to put words in your mouth. I'm gonna stay up for a little. Lance is gonna stay up for a little bit, and kind of like yeah, just do like just kind of the watch thing and see. You know what the what the crew's doing as people are sitting down for the night, and as most people have gone to sleep, and before Lance kind of retires for the night, he's going to, based on a conversation he had before they left with Malamara, he's going to try and very subtly see if he can ca cast Scorching Ray. 
just not like aimed at anybody, just like kind of off, like down into the water, just just see if it, if it's still there. Yes, the most subtle of spells. The most subtle, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's either that or chill touch. And I don't think a ghostly hand from the ether, you know, is going to necessarily <laughs> cause, you can, you know. Just like put your hand right next to the fire and pretend it's a really big ember. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Oh my gosh. Three of them. Oh the my fires. gosh. Hit an air pocket I'm in the wood I'm just stoking the flame. <laughs> Lance, go ahead and roll me an arcana check. Okay. That is a 15. 15. As you whisper the words um, that come that came to your mind previously, the same words which you knew cast Scorching Ray previously due to your anger, due to your training, this innate sense, um, what you could only imagine to be uh, initial or innate spell casting, you try to shoot Scorching Ray into the water, but unfortunately no rays. Hmm. So should I, should I erase that then for my character sheet? You have lost Scorching Ray and Chill Touch from the Demonomicon. Oh. Well, time to get it back. No, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> First one's free. I'm I just, need it I, back now. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I have had no negative, no negative effects to that. Only positives. So you know what? Might as well get that back in. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no. when, when I held Mal's sword, it actually felt kind of really cool. <laughs> yeah, hey, you know that feeling of like loneliness? I'm totally a loner. This is like touching into my emo phase. It's great. <laughs> okay, so all right, good to know. Wouldn't want to be in the middle of a battle on that to happen. <laughs> Lance will. Lance is honestly like it's a half. It's not a half and half. I'd say it's like eighty twenty. Like eighty percent. Like okay, okay, we're good. We're good. We're good. And twenty percent. Having probably what Mal obviously feels with regard to all of this, uh, like just kind of a wanting of power. But he will let the 80% win in his mind for now and go and rest. And as you, as you let this go and you're like, all right, that chapter's closed. I need you to roll me a Christmas saving throw, please. A Christmas mm. saving throw? That's what I heard. Yes. We are. <laughs> do you have... That's what I heard. Do you have... <laughs> Christmas spirit. It's a holiday one shot, everybody. <laughs> Just run oh, around man. the camp. What what day is it today? Boy, boy. <laughs> it's Christmas. Uh, it's, me, it's, it's Christmas Day, Lance. <laughs> it is. My goodness. Right. A charisma oh, saving throw. Or Christmas, sure. Or a Christmas saving throw. The spirit of Christmas. <laughs> Alright. Well, charisma. Charisma. It's gonna suck. That is a three. I mean, I can't say I'm surprised, but I'm not happy about it. <laughs> the negative one, not going to get far with that. You say humbug and go to bed. <laughs> humbug. I'm going to stay awake and keep my eyes out for ghosts. 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 I'll find us a nice Christmas ghost. That's true. If anyone was going to have ghosts, visit them a in the Christmas night. Ghost. Salem. I'm the ghost of Christmas past. It's just your sister in a yellow scarf, Mick. <laughs> Cut it out! <laughs> We've already had this conversation. Anthar Froom is the ghost of Christmas present. Yeah. Mondath is the ghost Mondath. of Christmas future. Oh my goodness. Oh. Uh, okay. Well, sounds good. You. Uh, it doesn't sound good. With that three, uh, you. <laughs> the three sounds terrible. You, you go to bed, but a little like 
Yeah, it takes you a while to fall asleep in particular, but, or, and you don't fall asleep, you meditate, so, but it takes you a while to get into the zone and you just shrug it off and you attribute it to the, the cold weather because this is the coldest you've ever been in your entire life. And you were the only one that was, uh, were staying awake out of the jank squad, right? Fleeple and Mal, both of you had decided to go to turn in. Yeah, because we have members of the crew are also taking watch, right? Absolutely. There are multiple members of the crew taking watch, so. Okay. I will ignore the feeling in the pit of my stomach that says we might be visited by three ghosts later tonight, and I will go to sleep. (laughs) As each of you are resting for the night, you are all awakened from your slumber with a call, and the guards whispering to one another and rousing some nearby and going, hey, be aware. Be on the lookout. Hey, you, Jank Squad, be on the wear. And um, as they come up to you, uh, they go, just so you're aware, we have a small pack of polar bears nearby. And uh, they must have been attracted to the, the food and the light. Um, currently, they are not engaging, but it is something we want to be aware of. If you wouldn't mind staying awake just for a, the next little bit here, that would be most appreciative we'd hate to have them damage the boat as you said you would be able to assist us uh, through the journey we wanted your help with this if it became something dang it i'm just not realizing that i've never prepared speak with animals and now i am regretful i have it though i can do that that's right <gasps> there you go Total warrior stuff it's a it's an eldritch invocation yeah you got it through your warlock stuff I do. So as the three of you are awoken, do you wish to investigate the polar bears or just sort of wait to be called upon? Uh, I will wait to be called upon, personally. Because if you dare make me kill an endangered species, Thomas. Yeah, it's, it's the rule of thumb. When you're walking in a national park, if you can see the animal from behind your thumb, then you're too close. You have to be able to completely cover the animal with your thumb. So I'm, I'm following the rule of thumb. I'm checking, yep, don't get too close to the to the fauna. Just make sure that they're having their own good time. Some national park knowledge for you. Mal rolls over and crawls across the ice over to Fleeple. And she whispers, should we go talk to them? Do you remember that I oh can do God. that? I don't get to do it very often, but like you and I had that, that axe speak moment. Would you, um, should we go talk to him just to make sure that everything's kosher? Or should we just, just stay here? I mean, you know, part of the reason why you don't want to approach a, a wild animal in a national park is because you can't communicate with it. But if you can communicate with but it, but if we can communicate with them, this is a bad idea. <laughs> she gives him a smile. Smash cut to uh, Fleeple and Mal <laughs> inches from the polar bear. In the jaws of polar <laughs> just bears. It, just straight booking it across the glacier. <laughs> Got the boat of the water! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Fleeple will probably stay back, but, you know, Mal, she can take a lot of damage if things get bad, so. No, she sighs with resignation. If Fleeple's not going to do it with her, then she probably shouldn't do it either. And they'll just wait for a call to action or wait until we can see him get closer if it feels like there's going to be a threat. Until the dice tell us that there's going to be a threat. So as the as the minutes go on, you hear some of the guard, uh, the, 
the watch, uh, whispering to each other. And as 15, 20 minutes go by, one of them, you see one of them holding his thumb up and uh, like covering the polar bears and going, all right, I think they're, uh, I think they're, we're dissuaded from us. I think our numbers are what scared them away. I think we should be good. I think we should be fine. And uh, they go to they go to you and be like, apologies, Jenks squad. Um, you can turn in again for the night. I apologize, but appreciate you being on the on the ready and on the lookout. The Beatles are running the boat. <laughs> it's a yellow. It's a yellow submarine. Yeah. Oh boy. I'm trying to figure out which D&D monster best equates a blue meanie. I don't know how many of our blue listeners meanie. are getting... It, it's That's it's a, a Beatles it's a, yellow submarine it's a Beatles reference. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> ignore me. Fleeple's going back to yeah. sleep. <laughs> okay. And uh, as all of you go back to sleep or meditation, the rest of the night goes by without worry, without uh, disruption. And you wake up to a nice, cold, brisk morning. And Fleeple, you immediately cast that bonfire again to get yourself warmed up and your extremities warm. And uh, as you watch the boat being descended uh, into the water carefully and gently and you take uh, see the rest of the crew taking out the pol- taking off the pulleys and levers as the boat gets into the water you climb down uh, with the help of a ladder um, with some of your climbing gear your own pitons that you brought as well and you are without too much delay you're on your way back to the sea of the moving ice and it's about midday that you get to the sea of moving ice and as each of you look at it you uh you realize that it's aptly named because there is nothing here but it seems to be hundreds of broken iceberg glaciers all moving and crashing into one another forming their own little like rivers and channels for you to cross but it is it looks like a gigantic puzzle for like uh, a deity that has been left to float amongst the ocean and debris to just do what to crash into one another and to uh to destroy whatever is in its path so as the frost skimmer comes up the captain goes oh well here we are we're to uh as you can see, the sea of moving ice here. And um, now the real work begins, everybody. And uh, he goes, uh, so uh, the three of you, you know you know what you're looking for, right? Well, we're looking for... I've got my notes here somewhere. We're looking for a big old iceberg with a flat top and spiky protrusions, which is uh, apparently inhabited by a white dragon named Arathator. Ah, yeah, that one. Um, yeah, last time I saw that, we quickly turned tail and ran. Um, oh, you've seen it. Of the, yeah, it's not great. I can't remember exactly where it is, and I mean, it moves uh, obviously like everything here does. Um, it's not always stationary. You know, sometimes Arathator likes to move it himself, uh, so it's uh, it's never a guarantee that you're gonna find it in the same place twice. So, um, and that was uh, probably ten years back when I saw it, but we. Uh, yeah, we could try finding it. All right, uh, whew. this might take a little bit, so uh, let's all keep our eyes out here. Is there anything that you, Jank Squad, would like to do to try and contribute to finding this iceberg, or should we leave it to the 
um, the roll of the dice, so to speak. Well, being somebody who can now turn into a flying creature, I think I'm going to turn into a giant vulture and uh, get a bird's eye view on this situation. Okay. So, Fleeple turning into a giant bird. Anybody else have an idea of how to contribute? I, overnight, changed my proficiency to nature. And I would like to try and keep an eye out for, obviously, this glacier that we're looking for and, and kind of maybe a path toward it. Can It's obviously been shaped more to the dragon's desires, so maybe a little bit more unnatural looking than the others. So I would like to use a nature skill to try and spot the natural versus the unnatural of the shapes of the icebergs in front of us. Wonderful. And Mal, anything that you would like to do to contribute? Can I use my survival and my um, background as an outlander since I am used to this terrain to uh, see if anything looks familiar or similar vein to Jake but using my wisdom to do so that what looks out of place or doesn't look like it should belong since I'm familiar with this area. Yeah, so Jacob will be approaching it from a strictly aesthetic view, so to speak, um, and just being like, hmm, hmm, that looks weird. But Mal, you'll be uh, you'll be able to uh, treat it from like, uh, you, you have the wisdom and the experience behind you to understand like, well, while Jake will see things out of place, if you see something, you will be able to make assumptions about maybe something you're going to come across like in an hour or things like that right so i was gonna say i think of it lance very in- intelligent like oh this looks different so it must be different malamar is like if i was a dragon very like wisdom like i understand animals and where they could possibly or beasts and where and they like could possibly- i understand these lands so where would i go would i go east would i find somewhere shaded would i be would i go to the warmth type of thing what else uh um, as know? a wanderer i also have an excellent memory for maps and geography so as we're sailing through the ice keeping track of where we are where we're going which is just a passive thing yeah and it's it's a good thing that you have that because as uh, the the captain gets out his map, uh, there are a couple times where he's like, "Now we're on," re-? and you you're actually able to come over and be like, "Oh no!" And you're able to trace the path, so to speak, and like um, you're able to uh, gauge like where certain rocks have moved, and you actually take like his quill and you start making notations on the map based on your current experience, and he goes. Deep. Now, this is what I was referring to. I, I appreciate you. Are, you. are you looking for uh, uh, employment right now? Uh, I mean, after this whole mission here, and uh, tries to rope you in to become a permanent member of the crew with your mapping survival skills uh, up north here. But with this, we are going to go into a... I wouldn't call it a skill challenge, um, but we're going to go into... Uh, I, I have uh, the book... As has given me mechanics on how long it takes you all to find this location. With each of you doing these contributions, however, I'd like to um, modify what the book is saying to where if each of you uh, contribute with a, these particular skills that you proposed, that will change how fast you find this iceberg um, and how many potential encounters you avoid in the process of doing so. So with this, it, to me, it makes sense for Fleeple to do a perception check 
uh, if vultures have keen sight with advantage for Lance to do a nature check here and for Mal to do a survival check, each of them being with the DCs appropriate to your experience and skill, but specifically with Mal, I'll have two different DCs to where the lower DC will give you some attribution to finding it faster, but if you exceed the second one, which might be, which will be a little bit more difficult, you will critically contribute to finding the glacier in particular with your background and experience here. So uh, let's go ahead and go with uh, with the order of how uh, the players presented everything here. So Fleeple, let's go with you for perception with advantage. I'm going to set the DC here to a 19 because vultures are not native to Antarctica, I don't believe. So yeah, now one thing that I want to check in on real quick, are you one of the cool hip dungeon masters who lets people use luck points after they make their roll, or one of the stodgy rules is written uh, dungeon masters who says you have to use it before? No, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, yeah, after the once you make the roll and then be like, you know what, I'm going to use luck. So go for that. All right. So we'll start rolling with advantage. I only have a plus. I like how you prefaced that by uh, appealing to my... Uh, yeah, buttering me up. Are you going to be an awesome cool DM? Or are you, you going to suck? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Okay, go ahead. All right, so that's an eleven. So I'm going to spend a luck point to reroll. All right, and that is exactly a nineteen. There we go. Yeah. Bang. All right. It's so cold. Fleeple, you're like, I'm going to be a bird and forget about life for a while. And you're like, I can't, I can't forget about life for a while because it is so dang cold. And like my scales underneath my wild shape are still frozen. But you just focus in and you're like, ah, but I'm doing, I'm doing this. I'm doing this for Mal. Okay. I'm doing this for us. I'm doing it for everybody. And uh, I almost imagine like as you're flying, you're like trying to smack your chest to be like, come on, you got this. Uh, like with your like vulture wings, you're like smacking your chest and like dipping a little bit and then catching yourself. You are able to see the way ahead and you can't see the glacier itself, but you do see a lot of dead ends that you're able to communicate back to the captain. And so you, you basically tell him where to avoid like hey avoid these places they're dead ends they're not they're, they are completely encased in ice or we would literally have to turn around that is a major contribution that you are making uh here in this initial journey is to just say we need to keep going this direction these are the pathways and areas that are not blocked uh so that is a plus one to finding the glacier hopefully expeditiously um, as we continue forward with this pseudo skill challenge here. Now we go to Lance. You would like to contribute with your nature to intelligently see like, oh, this rock formation or, hey, there's a pack of moose. And so moose I know intelligently from nature are X, Y, Z. They're going to be coming here and there and things like that. Or uh, So I need you for your nature check. I'm going to have it be a... <sighs> I'm actually going to have it be a 21 to try and get na uh, for, to contribute to finding the glacier here. Now, are you going to be a cool D? No, I'm sorry. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and let you use inspiration? Yes. <laughs> oh, I get inspiration? Thank you. <laughs> no, no, like, you can use inspiration. Oh, okay. I'm not going to give you inspiration for mm -hmm. just... Don't worry, I'm a cool player, so I'll give you my inspiration if you need it. 
Well, we'll see. We'll see. Here's the roll. And that is a... Oh, what was the DC? 21. It is 21. <laughs> 21. Oh, I rolled no. a 13 plus 8. So we're just barely squeaking by here. Yeah, I thought you said 22 at first. That's why I was like, what was the DC again? Because it was like, oh, I missed it by one. Wow. Okay. Following those patterns, like you're doing everything. You're intelligent. You're like looking like at the fish in the water and you're looking to see how the glaciers are moving. Like there's, there's times where you, you clock a glacier from a distance and you see how it's moving and you're like, okay, the water is shifting it this way. And because of that, I have a feeling and, and you get where like you ask the captain be like, where was it long ago? Uh, so you, you do your best to do like a guesstimate and it's not like, Oh, I can pinpoint it, but you're like, Hey, within a few miles, this is what I feel like it should be around here due to water movement, due to, uh, uh, water patterns pending the dragon moving it himself type of a situation so that is also a plus one contribution to finding this iceberg mal you get to use survival here now as i stated your initial survival check it's going to be real low it's going to be an 11 okay okay as you are very proficient with survival you're able to easily contribute but i will allow you to critically um contribute um, if your survival is high enough, because it needs to be critical survival, um, I'm going to make this DC a 23 for your highest and 11 for your lowest. To do a pl- uh, if you do a the 11, it's a plus one. If you do a 23, um, it'll be a plus three to finding the iceberg. In addition to what's already happened here. Okay. Okay. Oh, that was only an 18. 18. All right. So as you look around, you send Zaza out and you are um, scanning the skies. You are uh, looking for patterns and um, you are making these assumptions about the uh, landscape, the ice. You're pretty confident to suggest certain parts of sea of moving ice with especially with fleeple's advice with lance's advice like you're kind of like taking your wisdom and uh, pairing it to lance's uh, guesses and being like okay that would make sense if we go here and here not enough to like give a uh, a full direction of like uh, go to this location but enough to help cut through the noise for the captain to find this location with a plus one as well so that's all of you having a plus three to this roll, which I'm going to make. Is it too late to give my inspiration to Mal to see if maybe she sees a little bit more? Let's go ahead and do that. I will allow that. Because I'm a cool DM, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Now there's pressure. Now there's pressure for me to be a cool DM, all right? I don't like this. (laughs) I'm going to lose it. (gasps) Ooh, ooh, ooh. 18, what's 18 plus four? 22. 22. 22. Oh, so close. And I can't cast guidance on you from way up here with these wings. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So close. So sorry, Mal. Um, You feel like you were just to the precipice of like being like, ah, maybe, maybe, Eh, but not quite. So we'll get a plus three to this roll to see if you find 
the iceberg or if you find something else. So, as you are traveling through the sea of moving ice, it's getting into the late afternoon noon now with all of your efforts to contribute to this. The landscape is constantly shifting, constantly changing, but as you come across this bend, the ship is essentially hugging this iceberg. And as it starts to come around the iceberg, the sight you see before you is a little shocking, probably into Mal in particular. You see a couple of boats, rowing boats, sort of like fishing boats, a distance away, and they seem to be pulled onto a glacier not quite as tall as what you guys were on um, previously. This one's actually really close to the ground. It's really stable. And this glacier is, uh, it's, it's a bit wide. It's like an open field, so to uh, speak, but it's just on a glacier. But the reason why it'd be so, it's so shocking to Mal is because this glacier is filled with orcs. Mm. There are a good 18 or so dozen and a half orcs on this glacier. As you come around the bend, the orcs look up at you uh, as your boat is hard to hide. And as you look at them, their their fire is cooking a meal. Uh, there are some that are skinning um, like uh, some seals, um, sorry, seals, harvesting some necessary materials for survival. And as your ship doesn't get like right right next to them, but as your ship has come around this bend, the orcs' attention, all 18 of them, are on your ship and you guys. Now, they're about 200 yards off, so they're not, like, right near you, but you do have to pass by them. Anyway, that's that's the sight that you see before you. Do they look aggressive? As you sort of whisper that, mutter that, that under your breath, Fleeple, the captain being by you as all of you are contributing to try and find this iceberg and goes... Huh? Oh no, th- those are the ice hunters. Uh, they, we've, we come across them all the time. We don't have uh, any any problems with them, really. And uh, he sort of just kind of waves it off. And um, as he waves it off, he actually goes to the side, uh, and he raises his hand uh, just in a fist. And uh, as his hand gets to the top, he bends it, his arm slightly, uh, in a motion, almost like a salute. And one of the orcs uh, on the on the glacier, they raise their hands similarly and bend it, uh, but not as sort of more cautiously than the captain. But the captain, he doesn't like uh, turn the boat towards them. He doesn't uh, call out to them. He just comes right back to the map and he's immediately back to working. And I mean, Fleeple's looking at Mal, seeing how she's responding to this. She is just glaring and growling. As we're passing them. Pull pull a little spritz bottle and spray her in the face. Don't growl. It's not polite. <laughs> <laughs> As the frost skimmer is passing by, um, like I said, doesn't get too close to the glacier. Half the orcs, they have gone back to their preparations, their meal, whatever they were doing. But there are half of them that have stayed vigilant looking at you. Um, some of them more covered than others i'm gonna roll actually should we do some should i do something Hmm. mal as you are looking at these orcs one of them sees you the one who seems to be in the most furs uh that's holding a staff uh and this is a female orc and she looks at you 
and she actually makes eye contact with you. And as she stares at you, she sees you growling and she like slowly lifts her head up, like exposing her neck. And she stands to her full stature and she just, just is watching you. And she watches you until you leave her sight, actually. I was watching her back the whole time for sure, too. But as you were like watching her and looking at her, she definitely was different from the other orcs. She had, the other orcs had a basic hunting gear implements, but she had almost like no weapons on her from what you could see. And her staff had trinkets that were flowing down or like attached and you saw random like bones of like animals that seemed to be along her belt and her like staff. There were feathers feathers this far north like it's it very odd very unusual but she definitely seemed to stand out and her tusks were not as long as some of the other orcs they were more maintained or tamed uh, so to speak oh i was gonna say would lance be able to because obviously he's been watching this whole exchange and what's happened would he be able to with kind of the history of the city of neverwinter and his kind of interactions would he know what possible distinction that one particularly has above the others? Yeah, go ahead and roll a history check here. Uh, the DC will be a little bit high just because of geographically it's a lot different than Neverwinter. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. That, oh, not that great. It's going to be 11. Yeah, unfortunately there's not, there's not a name you could put to it. And you're just like, well, obviously she's different. But you don't voice that because you know it's quite obvious that she's different and anybody would be able to make that assumption. Lance is going to, though, uh, kind of go up to Mal as he, obviously, that, that interaction was pretty apparent. He'll say, Manamara, Man you doing okay? And she's just breathing heavily and so focused. Even though we are sailing away, and they're probably even out of sight, she's still so focused in that direction and just growling and breathing heavily. Do you think... Do you think they're planning on attacking us later? No. They're just ice hunters. They'll probably leave us alone. I don't know. They could Orcs. be... They could be sneaky. They could sneak up on us. All 18 of them. She just looks at him. Yeah, as you look at Lance, Lance is kind of half smiling. Like, it is a, it, it's a little bit of a tease. And as much as she wants to be mad at that... She can't help herself from smiling, too. And that instantly kind of drains her of that anger and just... <sighs> and she just gives him a shake of her head like you're ridiculous and walks off. What? It, it could be a legit concern. What? Do you, what? what, what? <laughs> but you can tell that he definitely made her feel better. The day closes without finding this iceberg, unfortunately. And you have to make the decision on if you want to sleep out on the open ocean or if you want to, again, get onto a glacier as well on land or on sea here. So, Jank Squad, together, and just players, which would you rather, on sea or on a glacier? Well, Thomas set up a really nice map for us to have a battle on the ship, so... Mm. <laughs> so, glacier Correction. it is. <laughs> roll 20 <laughs> has set up that nice map. Mm. I'm going to roll to see where Fleeple wants to sleep. Fleeple wants to sleep on the boat tonight. 
Lance wants to do the glacier thing because it keeps us warmer. So it's up to Mao. And Mao thinks we should probably sleep on the glacier because we'd be able to see those ice orcs if they were coming for us easier from atop a glacier than in the water. Fair enough. Without issue, um, as long as Fleeple is okay with that, uh, the boat gets, Frost Skimmer gets pulled onto a glacier again. Uh, I need everybody to roll me a d6, please. You don't say. That's a two. Five. Another one for me. It's not good balance. Yeah, that's not balanced. Not quite as balanced. We're getting shaky, guys. As each of you start to turn in for the night, right? Same same thing as last night, right? You've got the major bonfire. You're, you're building your snow um, embankments to help get warmth in and to uh, keep you insulated against the cold. And Flaple, you've even started making a tiny igloo uh, with your claws being, like, really nice to, like, cut through the snow. And um, you well, you overheard one of the people speaking about igloos. You're like, oh, uh, you're just so cold. You're like, I, yeah, this is probably a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um and I've got my fleece to help insulate me from the snow. And as you are uh, grasping your fleece and your bag, Fleeple, there's actually something that I, as the DM, forgot to mention at the beginning of the session, and I apologize for this, but um, we're going to throw it in right here as if you had just discovered it. In your bag, the bag that you were given from the noble lady who uh, gave you the initial information regarding the Dracorn, Dala, Dala Silmerhelv. Yeah, the nice noble lady. The bag that she gave you, you feel something in there, and you feel like um, something that was not part of the initial supplies, like a little clink. And as you reach in there, there's a little note that's hastily scribed. It's, you assume, in her own hand, and she goes, forgive a paranoid woman, but um, you seemed the nicest, and I appreciate that, and I wanted to give you everything I could possibly think of. So here you are. And uh, there's a potion attached to this note. It's a potion of water breathing. Mm. I f- Again, I forgot to mention that at the beginning of the episode, but... And that's in the bag of holding now, Jake? Well, this is uh, given to Fleeple, so it's, oh, it's whatever Fleeple okay. decides. Sorry, I, I'm... Let's try to figure it out. It was the bag she gave us, so it was just like a side yeah. bag. All right, perfect. Fleeple doesn't need a potion of water breathing because he can just turn into a shark. Uh, so I think this would be of better use in the bag of holding. Okay. I will write it down. Great. From there, you're all turning into sleep. Uh, to sleep. And um, same question as uh, last night. Any, any of you wanting to stay up uh, and guard or just trusting the frost skimmer guards? Trusting the guards for Mal. Yeah, same for Fleeple. I will trust. Excellent. Sounds good. So as you all turn into sleep, Lance, go and roll me another charisma saving throw. That's a critical fail. Oh, oh boy. Okay, okay. So, zero. Because <laughs> it's a negative one. <laughs> zero. No okay. charisma. Noted. As all of you drift off to sleep or meditation, you get a full night's rest. You, you are woken up, actually, not by the crew, but by Mal. It's actually hands grasping you. Oh, good. Each of you, while in your slumber, thick orc hands grab 
each of you, pick you up, throw a bag over your head, tie you up in your groggy state, not able to at least Lance and Mal and uh, in your current state, not able to entirely comprehend what's going on before these orcs just grab you and start tying you up to where you can fight them necessarily. Um, Mal, before a bag gets thrown over your head though, these are the same ice hunters that you saw before, but there are more. There are more than just the 18. There are about three dozen of them now. And Lance, before the bag gets thrown over your head, you look over at the camp and it looks like the crew throughout the night was slowly being grabbed, wrapped up, and tied down as well. Lance is just thinking, this is, I was trying to do the opposite of what's happening. This is going to deepen her prejudice. <laughs> like, like, he's just like so pissed. He's like, I was doing the joke because it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm paranoid. Maybe I should. Nope. Great. <laughs> <laughs> and Mal, right before the bag gets thrown over your head, you see that same female orc, the one with the staff, just 10 feet away from you. And she uh, she nods to the orcs that are holding you as she, the bag gets thrown over your head uh, and tied. Could I say something real quick? Or am I already gagged? You can, yeah, you can try to get it out. You can try to get it out before the bag is thrown over your head or gagged. Lance will very quickly, because yeah, obviously he doesn't have a lot of time for it. Uh, just in orcish, because he does no orcish. At least one of us does. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, he, will just say the, he will just say the phrase, we are better allies than enemies. As you uh, say that in Orcish, that woman, she speaks up in common. We will have to decide that once we get back. And that's when she nods for the backs to get over the heads as you are picked up and dragged to the Frost Skimmer so that not the crew of the Frost Skimmer can lead you, but these orcs can lead you. Where? Well, we'll have to find out next time on I Cast Fireball. Never trust NPCs at watches. (laughs) NPCs are terrible at watching. (laughs) Who could have seen this coming? Because we thought Thomas was a cool DM. (laughs) (laughs) feel all this pressure now guys feel all this pressure straight up it was gonna I happen actually did let way. the dice to de- mm-hmm, no sure. I actually mm-hmm. did let the de- dice decide that mm-hmm. so that yeah. was uh mm-hmm. it was, it was pretty That's interesting cool to see how it, it was my two you, that I rolled you wasn't believe it? me if you like but whatever <laughs> the dice decided it folks all right well we'll have to see what happens uh, to the Jank Squad and the um, crew of the Frost Skimmer in the next episode of I Cast Fireball. Ned, Jacob, Mickey, as always, thank you so much for just continuing with this adventure and calling me a cool DM, you know, and uh, being great players. All pressure aside, I really appreciate that. But we as a cast appreciate you, dear listener, for following us on this adventure and for 
just allowing us to explore not only the story, but our deep-seated fears of trusting NPCs. And so we will uh, see if that trust will continue to be betrayed in the next episode of iCast Fireball. If you like what we're doing, please leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. It lets us know what you like, and it gets us into other people's recommended feeds. You can shoot us an email at iCastFireball2020 at gmail.com, where you can let us know specific moments that you're liking about the podcast and what in particular uh, is uh, pulling your interest or what you'd like to see. And you can always uh, shoot us a message on our social media pages. That's Twitter, that's Instagram, that's Facebook, that's YouTube at iCastFireball20, where you can see some of the fun stuff that we've got going on, uh, interact with other fans. I want to shout out our YouTube page in particular. If you haven't checked that out and subscribed, we are releasing our audio-only podcast on there right now. But I'd highly recommend you going subscribing um, for when we do start dropping not just audio, but visual podcasts, uh, videos, uh, whatever it may be in the future here. So don't forget to check that out, all right? Want to also shout out our sister podcast, Improv Tabletop, as always, where Ned, the wonderful, illustrious, beautiful and magnificent Ned, jumps into the GM uh, corner at, where he's the keeper, where he is the um, blade master, the GM, whatever system they are running, he is over there running stuff, and it is fantastic. It's beautiful. And... These are fantastic systems other than D&D. So go check them out and you just might find yourself wanting to try one of those systems over there. So don't forget to leave them a five-star review on the way out. But lastly, don't forget to like, subscribe, share with your friends and fellow wacky adventurers. But until next time, I'm Thomas, your DM, and around the table we have... And Fleetful. He doesn't get gagged. They're just like, hey, this is a nice guy. (laughs) This is fine. (laughs) Let's keep that fire going, everybody, and we'll see you all next time.